We need tons of play in our lives. For God's sake, if if your purpose, if you can't live a purposeful and playful life, what is the point? Stand by, I'll be right there. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 373. Today is Sunday, the 17th of May, 2020. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. This week's interview is with Holly Woods. Holly is a coach and consultant who works with visionary entrepreneurs and innovators who use their business as a vehicle to change the world. With a PhD in human and organizational development, Holly's a purpose activator who helps her clients to create products that can have more meaning and impact. Holly just published her book, The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. And in this conversation, we discuss with Holly a whole range of topics around finding one's purpose and golden thread, including how to find one's purpose, the connection between passion and purpose, how to avoid the tyranny of purpose, a great conversation that I hope will resonate with you. You'll find all the show notes on minterdial.com. As ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of any podcast, please consider going over this handy all-in-one ratethispodcast.com forward slash M-D-I-A-L, M-Dial to drop in your review, and don't forget to subscribe to catch all the next episodes. Now for the interview. Holly Woods. Well, if that ain't a name to be having, uh, you and I met over a small exchange around purpose on LinkedIn. Uh, thus began a wonderful journey for me. I got a chance to read your, uh, your new book, The Golden Thread, and, um, and I wanted to have you on the show because you're all about purpose. So Holly, in your words, how would you describe yourself? Well, there are many ways I describe myself, but in this context, I am a purpose activator. I'm a soul speaker. I'm a business consultant. Um, I, I work with people to try to find their deepest, truest sense of self, their purpose, to guide them in their work in the world. Um, I believe that we each have a serious contribution to make as individual humans, we're, a, you know, we're each a thread in the tapestry of humanity. And so my, my deepest desire is to help all of us find our thread, our golden thread, and then make that contribution so the world will be a more beautiful place. Um, so I work with mostly entrepreneurs and founders and innovators who are bringing important innovations into the world to take us to the next stage. And you're based in California, correct? I am, yes. So you write in your book that no one is born knowing their purpose. It's not something in your DNA, if we can say. Uh, but what are the catalysts that make people want to figure it out? At least once you have the intention, it's a whole lot easier to think about it. But what is it that sort of makes someone wake up and say, do or I need to get this? Well, there are some early indicators of purpose, as you've read. Um, and so if we are encouraged and nourished in childhood, those curiosities and the inquisitive we, inquisitiveness that we experience will take us there. Um, so there are things that we are fascinated by in very early stages, you know, toddlerhood, um, we, f we find our way into what it is that speaks to us, but most of us don't have the environments or contexts to help us grow into a deeper awareness of that. 
um, so often we're repressed in some way in our childhood context, our families, et cetera, at school. And um, it takes a much greater impulse within us to come back to that which we're curious about and for which, you know, really I would call our purpose. And that generally doesn't happen until somewhere in, you know, early or late adulthood as we enter a stage at which we can sense our internal thoughts and feelings and begin to see the world in a new way. So I call that the late subtle tier. And um, not to get too complex, but it's the stage at which we begin to experience the fullness of life, both our own internal experience and our external experience. We see the world around us. We see other people and we start sensing who they are and sensing who we are. And we begin to imagine that we have something to contribute in that greater milieu. And that is when we begin to have this deep longing for purpose. And there are many earlier stages at which there are clues that our soul gives us about what it is would be, you know, our greatest contribution or what would make us happy or feel joy and feel inspired. But we ignore those because our culture really isn't oriented to help us look at those things deeply, at least at this point. So there's this notion of of meaning, meaningfulness, joy. Does everybody have a purpose? And therefore, does everybody have a shadow? So I, having read parts of my book, you know, I'm going to say yes. Um, I And these are my beliefs. And I, I have studied with the world's, you know, sort of greatest experts in this. And I consider myself now among them having done this for a few decades. Um, and it's a pretty young field. Um, that our soul brings us here to accomplish particular tasks. And um, on that journey, we, you know, I, you heard, you read that I believe we get this amniotic amnesia that we come in with a purpose, but our soul sets us up in this way to forget it in order for us to find our way back home again to ourselves. And so as we are on this journey, this path, this hero's journey, really, to find our purpose, to become ourselves again, we walk through life and face obstacles that are purposeful in order to overcome the shadow. So it's almost like you're walking toward the sun and behind you is the shadow. And purpose is like that. It has, it has the side of the gift and it has the side of that which we must overcome in order to be the gift. So each of us really does have both components. And the shadow is as nuanced as the gift of purpose. So when I'm working with people, literally, I'm, I'm pulling out of them the very nuanced expression of purpose that is the gift and the contribution, along with the very nuanced expression of the shadow that you came to resolve. Mm. So it's usually both of those things that I have to unearth in people in order to find, you know, the essential multifaceted gem of our purpose. And what I like is you're talking about this nuance, because when I wrote down my north at the very beginning, I must say, so my 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 thread, if you will, I felt oh, it's going to be like everybody else's, you know, and I was like, oh, gosh, I, that sounds rather trite. And I, I felt a little bit embarrassed at some level 
but of course, it, uh, it's the nuance and the relationship you have with the words and the experiences that brought you into that, the amniotic um, amnesia that you have, that you sort of worked through to get to your texture. One of the um, things you talk about is purpose anxiety and, and how it can be nerve wracking. You know, do I really want to know me? Do I really, really want to uncover my shadow? Only the shadow knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men, a radio show from the 1920s and 30s. So is it always worth getting to your purpose if there's such an anxiety about my shadow? So what I think what most people don't recognize is it is it is actually the not knowing of our shadow, the not knowing of who we truly are. And that is the anxiety. So purpose anxiety is both. I want to know my gift so that I can feel the joyful expression of that and know that I'm making an, a contribution and having an impact. And it's also the anxiety is also about I'm afraid of knowing myself so truly that I have to unearth and excavate and reveal that which I most fear, which is myself, myself in both ways, both the gift and the shadow. So when you say, is it worth it? What happens as we unearth the shadow, it becomes vivid, it becomes real, it becomes concrete, and then we can actually do something about it. You know, the point of revealing your shadow is that it's no longer hidden. It becomes something I can confront and say, oh, maybe I'd actually like to evolve from that expression of me. Maybe I'd actually like to carve a little bit of the chunk of the, the rawness off of that and be a little more present to who I am. And so as we become to, come to know ourselves more, we can we can begin to evolve from that shadowed expression. So for instance, um, a facet of my purpose is to speak powerful truths. And um, I knew that from a you know, really early age and I had to confront some of the, you know, my childhood trauma at three and four. And um, I came to know myself as a truth speaker, but what I didn't know is that I was offending and doing destructive behaviors because my truth was often so raw and so aggressive um, because I had experienced so much trauma. And it wasn't until I saw the shadow of my truth speaking that was actually harming people. It was hurting my relationships, my personal relationships, my business relationships. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's a way I can be in my truth that doesn't harm others. So I had to really excavate that shadow about who I was and say, there's a different way. I want to be in the world that is a more of a contribution. And if I can share that truth from a deep personal intimacy that experiences the compassion for myself and for the other, then I get to be in this reciprocal, you know, give-receive relationship with someone where we get to share our truths about an experience and I'm not flinging it at someone and hurting right. them. You know, that took a couple of decades right. to, to hone that shadow, but I worked at it because I wanted to be present to myself and to the other in a way that was more loving and giving. So, so I give the truth now when it's welcome right. and when it can be received and when I can be in it without – 
some vengeance or, you know, some toxic expression. Right. So you talk in the book about going from being to becoming as opposed to from being to doing. So I'm, I'm guessing that's sort of that notion, as I understand it, that you, you've, you've come into this position of accepting the shadow. I, I talk in, in my new book about accepting your imperfections. And um, without going into psychology or anything like that, because that's not my zone, my ballywick, the, let's say the politically correct terminology I, um, I use as being accepting your messiness or your naughtiness. Um, naughty is quite a, an acceptable term, but it, it can very quickly be a little bit more. And the challenge is uh, accepting it when it really is a lot more. That is me. That's 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 how evil I can go, or yeah. how dark I can go. So there's evil, dark, shadow, naughty, and it's a spectrum. And so sometimes you post-rationalize it as being just a little naughtiness, or or something else, and you realize it can be doing damage to other people or not. And and you want to be accepting of it, but you want to be improving of it because you realize it's not so good. So. It's it's going into that dark zone, understanding it, recognizing it, and and yet not necessarily being satisfied with it, is what I'm hearing and what you said. And on the other side of that, I think what most most of us don't know until we experience it is that as we begin to dive into the shadow, the naughtiness, as you describe it, and unearth it, and I use the word excavate because sometimes it can feel like I'm excavating some part of me um, and or it can just be peeling back a little corner and looking, peering in and, and then shutting it again. You know, oh, I saw something there. I'll, I'll turn to that later. Um, as we do that, we become freer. We become more liberated and lighter. And from that place become comes the joy and the happiness. Most of us, you know, most people don't have this ever-present sense of joy or happiness. And we live in a heavy world. There's a, there's a lot for us to, to deal with and to cope with. And what I, what I have experienced over the many decades of doing this work is that the more I pull back the covers and look inside and say, oh, there's something here for me. And, and I welcome that because it helps me to get rid of something or to clear something or to evolve some part of me that needs to be understood and I need to have compassion for and I need to then integrate into me in a healthier way, I become lighter and more fulfilled and more joyful. And I'm able to then share that gift with the world, which is part of the expression of being purposeful, is that we get to share this magnificence of who we are that was it was actually almost um, relegated to the shadows. So the shadow is always some expression of us that has another side. It's not something that we, you know, we don't get to get rid of a part of ourselves. We actually get to integrate it in a new and different way. So we invite it in, in a healthier expression. So you, you know, you've read in the book that I, I talk about these sub fractured subpsychic parts 
And generally, that is the expression of shadow. They're parts of us that were relegated to the side or the corner in childhood because they weren't necessarily welcome in the context of our lives. And so we became shadowed as we pushed that part of ourselves out and away, you know, not to be expressed anymore because it wasn't acceptable in our childhood context. And so when we when we speak to that part and say, hey, maybe I actually want you back in my life again. I want that creative part of you, that majestic part of me that wasn't welcome. And we get to sense what that is like newly in a new expression, in a new, um, you know, more evolved expression as we grow up. We want that to be a part of our life. Then we become more whole. And that makes us more fulfilled. So what I'm hearing is this notion of accepting the naughtiness. What, I, what I'm getting to is, you know, I, I'm imagining as I listen to you, Holly, that you have this thing you're excavating. And for having done it for so many years, you're, you, you're actually you're bringing a toothbrush in and you're cleaning stuff. And in this corner, is there any more is there any more shadow in here? <laughs> you know, and I kind of imagine you doing that. And yet now I'm hearing you bringing back some dirt, bringing back mm. dirt into this because, you know, let's, you know, whatever the, the thought is, it, it could be a, a naughty thought. Well, life without the naughty thought is actually not so much fun either. But so, you know what I mean? Except that we're going to be priests or priests certainly don't have it well. Or Dalai Lama. Uh, is that what is that the true enlightenment is when we have zero dirty thoughts or is it is it the ability for us to uh, you know welcome into this other side which is let's call it an, an intimate thought uh, a non-perfect thought because you know like like the mole on Marilyn Monroe's face that is also us and our imperfections are desirable if we had a perfectly symmetrical face we'd be but ugly uh, in, in, in when I talk about empathy, where there's some crossovers, I, I talk about avoiding the tyranny of empathy. Is there such a thing as the tyranny of purpose? That's a great question. Um, I, ha I have I have I have actually asked that. Um, so uh, you know, I'll confess that my purpose has driven me um, my entire life and. You'll, you know, you've read that I, it, it actually helped me survive some pretty deep, dark years. I was Certainly. suicidal for several decades. And um, had I not had that longing to contribute in, in some, you know, profound way, I probably wouldn't still be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation. And it has also driven me to the point of exhaustion and adrenal burnout and, um, you know, other forms of less than desirable health. Um, so there is a there is a balance, you know, at which, you know, the desire to be purposeful is a is a true north. It's a direction. It's a focus and a compass for us. Um, and then there is this balancing point in which we get to just experience fun and be human and frail and fragile and have yeah. warts and, and snarf um, a beer, you know, <laughs> snarf a beer. And, and so I, I would ask you, you know, how do you define naughty? I guess naughty feels playful to me. And of like, course. certainly we need, 
we need tons of play in our lives. For mm-hmm. God's sake, if if your purpose, if you can't live a purposeful and playful life, what is the point? Of course, that's why I use the word naughty uh, yeah. expressly. Uh, when I was running Redken, I remember the brief I wanted to give to my team for a new campaign. And I said, I, I want a little bit of edge. What do you mean by edge? Well, just a, a little naughtiness in it. I didn't want this sort of perfectly clean, retouched girl with perfect hair. I wanted her to very much feel like she'd just woken up after having sex. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very adult thought. I'm not going bad on it or perverted, but you know, I wanted that to be expressed. And naughty in a corporate world is is a reasonable term. It's uh-huh. it's not too far afield. But but beyond naughty are many things. And, you know, it could be a naughty thing for one person, which could be a scandalous thing for another person. And and then beyond that, there's there's far further ideas. But naughty is, I like to use the word naughty because it sort of, it, it, it leads us into that other discussion. Um, one, one of the uh, other things that I, I think about with regard to this notion of purpose, um, I, I frequently think about progress um, and the need for self-awareness. And, and I do, I've done a lot of surveys, and one of the, my favorite questions to ask, which has been asked now by thousands of people, answered by thousands of people, is how empathic do you think yourself? Think of yourself. And I, I expressly have the answers positioned as average, below average, or above average. And there are five different modules. Well, 77% of people think that they're above average. Mm-hmm. And and so this points to this notion of self-awareness, and and I and I think that it feels like that issue, the overwhelming ego, the sense of like I went to school, I'm I'm intelligent, I I, I know I know myself. This is this is the big thing: is that the inability to be truly self-aware, and and that part of getting to purpose through being more self-aware, aware of your shadows, aware of who you are. And and thus the challenge, um, especially in our culture, where we're, our, our culture is not set up for us to become more aware of ourselves. We're conditioned to want to be a part of the normative expression of humanity. And that normative expression currently, or at least prior to this current crisis is um, for us to pretend a lot that we are something that is, you know, more perfect than we currently are. And I, I think our current experience right now in this moment of extreme crisis and um, vulnerability is to accept that vulnerable is, is good Vulnerable allows us to heal. It allows us to to learn to cope newly. It allows us to express something about ourselves that we wouldn't formerly have expressed. And in doing that, we become more available to the truth of ourselves and more purposeful than... I mean, I think I also want to suggest that the ego will always have a role in, you know, living on purpose. It, it, is, it is our foundational um, anchor as humans. It keeps us, 
in the material world. It keeps us functional. It allows ambition. us to fit in, have ambition, and be productive, and create products and services. And you know, we have to have an egoic drive. So ego is not bad. I would, you know, I don't, I don't ever suggest that there's not plenty of room for our ego. It's just when our ego dominates our lives and our world as it currently has that we lose touch with what it is we're really here to contribute. And so there is a point in human development when we become less attached to the egoic desires and more attached, more open to the desires of spirit. And this is a point at which in humanity we are crossing that threshold. Our center of gravity is shifting in the moment, like right now, real time. We are evolving to a place where more and more people are saying, oh, there is something more important than me. I am actually willing to subject myself to the the broader desires, the broader needs of humanity, of the planet Earth, of the sentient beings, the animals and trees and, and such, that I actually need to focus on that as much or more than I focus on my own needs. And and we're there, we're actually, we've moved the needle right now. And I am excited for the future of humanity on this planet that we might actually turn this around if we pay attention, if we take heed to this moment in time and embrace it and say, yeah, that was a good thing to experience. There's something, um, there are several thoughts, but at one point I'm thinking that during this COVID uh, pandemic, there has been a lot of selfishness as well. And people worried about me, my skin, my life, my family, hoarding and so on. So there's there's been a retrenchment on the self. At the same time, there's now this other idea that we're a small little pimple on an enormous uh, animal, and uh, what, I'm, I'm, I'm insignificant to it. Within purpose, and certainly in a corporate world, I, I really focus on the idea of purpose beyond your immediate community, which typically includes shareholders and customers and employees. Mm-hmm. So going beyond yourself, if you will. So in a, in a corporate environment, the self, therefore, is, is a larger entity, of course. And I, and I love the fact that you call yourself a purpose activator because actually I tend to talk about myself as a brand activator. And, and I think that they, the two shall meet in that we, that's really a great brand is one that does have purpose. So the question I have for you in, in the work that you do, because you don't just work with individuals on their purpose, mm-hmm. you do work with corporations. To what extent do you believe that the purpose of a company must be attached to the purpose of the person? It's a great question. Um, And it's one that I've evolved in. Um, I tend to believe that most companies are born of an idea presented to the world by a person or a small group of people. And there was something in that person that felt there was a need for this particular product. And, you know, you could call that some version of purpose. It's often not so close to purpose, but there's something born in it. And so my original idea of purpose in a company really was about getting close to that seed of inspiration and then using that 
inspiration and infusing it in every system and every product and every system in the company. What I also have come to see is that, um, you know, companies evolve just like people and good companies that are run well and um, are more coherent, I guess, would be a way to describe it, is is they take on a life of their own, which represents more than just the founder's desires. You know, it could represent a, a team of executives or managers or leaders. It could represent the shareholders. It could represent the customers. And so purpose in a company can also evolve um, and be more representative of the whole, of the intent of the, the company. What I so so yes, I think that purpose does look different depending on how the company ha- was originated, how it's evolved. I I will also suggest that I I don't I don't call it purpose when when a company says we're going to create a beneficial product that serves the planet and you know we'll do good and. Um, you know, a compostable something or other, or a, um, you know, we're going to contribute to a charity. Those are great things. And I'm, I'm glad that more and more companies are inspired to do those kinds of things. I don't call those purpose-driven products. Um, they're not founded necessarily in the deep essence of a founder or a, or a collection of individuals. Purpose is something that's internally derived and externally expressed. And and when you when you do good things in the world, that's wonderful and it will have an impact, but it's not necessarily expressing that that deep desire, the the innate expression of a soul or a group of souls who are coherent um, that is gonna have a more profound impact in the world because it comes from a much deeper place. Mm. So I, I hear you. And I, you know, did this notion of the founder's story going back to it. Sure. But it was just to, to invent a, a thing, a widget that did something. And that was the purpose of the company. Soulless. Otherwise, yes, but it was really useful because that widget helped his grandmother, you know, live longer or whatever, the door open, whatever. Then you then if if you can relate that back to some sort of more textual element personally, the the overriding conclusion I kind of get is that you can't possibly have a big company with purpose in your definition. That's to say 10,000 people that all dig in on their deep introspective notion and relate that back to the founder issue. It it feels very fabricated, if not implausible to have an enormous scale of people relate at that level into the purpose? Well, I would disagree with that. Yeah. And, and um, so I'm not suggesting that every person in the company has the same purpose as a, you know, if, if we were to use the story of the founder's purpose, mm. that every person in the company is, has the same purpose. Um, I, I believe, comp- I do believe big companies have purpose. And as I said, it might either be the founder's original purpose or it might be a new coherent purpose that's created by this this group of people who's who together have created a new you know purpose and vision for the company i do believe however that companies are optimized when each person in the 
company, whatever their role, they bring themselves, their purposeful selves to the company and they contribute their gift in a way that's most useful. So every person in the company, if they knew their purpose, could say, oh, here's how my contribution fits. Oh, it doesn't actually really fit in this role. Maybe I'm in the wrong role. Maybe I'm in the wrong company. You know, and, and so each of us can decide individually that I'm bringing myself fully because these are the things I do. As, as you know, I believe each of us has this nuanced purpose that's not about project or job or career or, you know, initiative. It's some facet of me that I do when I speak powerful truths. I can do that anywhere. You know, I, I can be in any context, in any relationship, in any place on the planet. That's a facet of my purpose. And that's what I do. And I also shine love onto shadow. Believe me, I do that everywhere. <laughs> so that is not a job. Right. So for you, the key is, first of all, you know your purpose. Second of all, right. you, you connect it to what you're doing. And I think that's a, I think the, the, the learning that I'm taking away. I wanted to ask one last question, Holly, to, um, to, to cover another area that also I, I just love, you know, it really stimulated me while reading your book, which is um, oftentimes one says, well, find your purpose. You know, find, yes, it's hard. Um, well, or the other one is, and it's similar, well, just follow your passion. Well, fuck if I know what my passion is. I was wondering how you connect the two P's, pa passion and purpose. What's the narrative or connection that runs around in Holly's mind? Yeah, great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so I, this is Holly's cosmology. <laughs> right. Interstellar. So I believe that purpose is the, um, our soul's task. You know, our soul comes in with, a, an orientation, and I believe we carry this orientation throughout our many lifetimes and dimensions, but that's my belief. And this is what, you know, this being that is now housed in the body and um, expression of Holly, this is what my soul wants me to do, and these are the many facets of it. So purpose is a fairly defined um, orientation, if you will, and it looks like a thread in a lifetime. Passion, from my perspective, is the inspiration I experience when I am living some part of my purpose. So you probably know I'm a pretty passionate person because I live fully. I'm, I am living fully my purpose. And I haven't always. So I haven't always had that passion. I haven't always been impassioned. But when I am experiencing a part of me that's like, oh, that feels like me. That feels true. I'm loving that. I'm digging this thing I'm doing. That is passion. It's an expression of purpose. So, so listening to your passions is one way to find your way to purpose. So what is it that gives you great joy or delight or you get excited about or you scream, you know, with joy, with excitement when somebody says, let's go do that. Those are those are expressions of passion that indicate, ah, oh, I'm getting close to something that's my purpose. So, yeah, follow that thread too. follow the follow the energy, follow the passion, follow the joy, follow the excitement, the curiosity. There are many ways to find our way to purpose if we're paying attention. 
and usually we experience those in our body. You know, our 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 soma is an incredible indicator of whether we're on track or not. As is our energy, if you have access to your subtle energies. Mm. So that sounds very cosmic, but it's very real. I, 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 if you can just tap into the things you're you're feeling when you're doing something, and rather than sort of abjugate it like some sort of other thing or or anecdotal and really understand it for what it is then you can you know maybe juice it up and to your point i i feel passionate about doing what i'm doing so when i get up at five o'clock it's not a oh god it's five o'clock it's oh yippee it's five o'clock and back to the word so my i i prefer actually not to sleep in order to be able to follow my passion which is not a good thing but you know no one's perfect a eh, ollie uh, ollie so yeah. Any Yeah, body is good. I I mean in fact, um I love that word because it does imply some mischievousness, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And and when we're mischievous, we're usually following some thread that somebody in some time said, Oh, you shouldn't do that. And it's like, but no, that's one of my deepest desires. I love that. And I want to keep doing that because it's fun and it's inspiring and it brings me to life. I'm animated mm. when I'm mischievous and, you know, naughty. So I, I don't actually think naughty is anything to do with shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, in the realm of naughtiness at work, it was always at one point very challenging for me to explain that I had seen the Grateful Dead a couple of hundred times. Well, who are they? Well, Though there are some really, really bad acid punk band. No, 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 not exactly. The acid's interesting, but uh, punk, no. And then you explain, and then I. So now I, in the in French, there's the word I assume, j'assume. I, I take responsibility for accountability for, for this. And I think that's also what my journey has been allowing me. But I also think I have a, I've accumulated an, uh, enough excavation to get into, tap into and accept that part of me and, and fully embrace that naughtiness. And, and that's okay. There are other pieces I've, I know I can still do better on. And so hey, that'll be my journey. Holly, how can someone uh, get in touch, uh, read your magnificent book, connect with you what, what's the preferred way so website is hollywoodscoaching.com um there's all kinds of resources on the on the website and you know if you're interested in learning more about how to work with me there's a place where you can fill out an application um there the book the golden thread where to find purpose in the stages of your life is you know at our favorite uh online book retailers um both Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and I believe the Walmart network, and soon to be at bookstores following yes, the pandemic. <laughs> indeed, as we all will be, hopefully, at yeah. bookstores again. Holly, thank you for coming on the show. With a lovely chat. I very much enjoyed your energy and your purpose, and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on minterdial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, 
Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.